When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones had just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So we bring back our friend who is the host of Pace's Playbook over on our YouTube channel. And of course, a contributor at playlikeajet.com, Kayla Pace. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Keith Lee. He says, what's most likely to happen? Douglas trades up, Douglas trades back. Or they stay put. I think they're probably going to end up staying put at number four. I just don't see a big offer materializing. And I think they'll probably have one or two players there that they really like at that spot. That it wouldn't be worth moving down for, say, a third or fourth round pick. They'll just sit there and pick them. At number 10, that's where it gets interesting because as Chris Nimbley pointed out to me, if you look at the 2022 NFL draft order, the Jets are sitting at number 10 and guess who is sitting right behind them at number 11, the Washington football team. So that's a spot where you could see somebody want to trade ahead of them to grab whoever the consensus number one quarterback is. The Saints are at the back of the teens, and the Steelers are at number 20. So maybe they want to make a move. You've got the Vikings sitting right there, I believe, at number 12. You might need to jump them because it's possible they move on from Kirk Cousins and want to draft a quarterback. So there could be some action at number 10, that's where I would be looking for a potential trade more so than at number four. I just don't think there's going to be offers at four, but at 10, I think that could be an interesting spot given that that's where some of these quarterbacks might start coming off the board. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a great point. I also think though that trying to predict if Joe Douglas wants to go up or down is kind of a it's kind of hard to do because I think that he's all about where the player is. 
Like I, for me, I don't think he's thinking, oh, I'd rather trade up than trade down, or I'd rather trade down. No, I think he's just going to make his moves according to like where the players fall. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know about you, Scott, but I did not see the trade up coming last year. I, I didn't think he was going to do that. So it's it kind of like that was a surprise to me. And I think that um, it panned out the way that he hoped it would, but it just goes to show how he operates in that draft setting. Like he wants his guy. He doesn't really care if it's up or down. At least that is what I think based on his actions and prior drafts and trades, just making deals in general, that's what he's going to do. So um, that being said though, uh, I think that if he thinks that the, the first and second rounds are as deep as, I mean, I think that they are, then it's very likely you could see a trade back because like I said, this first round is pretty deep. So I think that the potential there would make it that Joe Douglas is like, okay, well we can take someone at 10, but we could probably get two guys that we really like later on. And that's definitely something that I could see him doing. Next question comes in from Alex Arroyo, and it's sort of along the lines of that last question. He says, what kind of trade value does the number 10 pick have? Well, that really depends on what the demand is for certain players around that range. And you would think that if there are quarterbacks that teams in the middle or back end of the round like, that's where things could get interesting. Because as I said before... You've got Washington sitting at number 11. You've got the Vikings sitting at number 12. So you might need to jump them to get a quarterback. You've got the Saints sitting at 18. They clearly need one. And as we talked about before, Kayla, they have no other way to make any kind of upgrade at quarterback because they are $70 million over the salary cap. The Steelers clearly going to be looking for a new quarterback because of the fact that they are losing Ben Roethlisberger to retirement. Kenny Pickett becomes interesting because he's a Pittsburgh guy. So if he's still on the board, maybe the Steelers make some sort of aggressive move to go up and get him. So it really depends on if the quarterback market heats up there. Otherwise, I think maybe you're looking at trading back a couple of spots for an extra third round pick, which if there are a bunch of guys that you have rated right around the same, you could do. Like me personally, I wouldn't move back for a third round pick if Gardner was on the board. I would just take him. I wouldn't play around. But if he's off the board and you've got five or six guys that are all right in that same range, then sure, move back, get that extra third round pick, and you can either use it later on or you can dangle it as a piece to move back up into the first round if you see a player that you really like. In fact, Tyler Linderbaum might be a good example here because Daniel Jeremiah recently had him mocked at number 25. So maybe a third and a fifth is enough to jump up from 35 to 25 if he does slip that low if Joe Douglas really likes him. So that's just an example of what they could do with an extra pick like that. So I think the value is going to be determined almost entirely on what happens with these quarterbacks because that could heat up that spot. And if there isn't a ton of interest in the quarterbacks there, then it might be something more, like I said, somebody offers you a third rounder to flip up a couple of spots, which you'll have to decide whether it's worth it based on who's on the board at the time. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think you covered it. Maybe we just edit me out and skip it. I love it when we agree, Kayla, although it's also fun when we disagree. So we'll see if we disagree on this one. It comes in from Happy Guy Joe. He says, am I crazy to think that the Jets could trade George Fant and a mid-rounder for DJ Moore? The Panthers need offensive line. Both are on expiring contracts. Moore would get a rising QB for the first time in a long time. Fant becomes a quality starter. Yeah, I think you are crazy. There's no way that gets that done. DJ Moore is one of the best young receivers in the NFL, 25 years old. Yes, he's on a contract year, but they could certainly franchise tag him. And if they were to put him on the open market, they'd be able to get at least a first rounder for him, probably significantly more than that. He is one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL, I think. So I think it would take a ton more than George Fant, who's coming off an injury and is 30 years old. And a mid-round pick to get him. I think if Fant was in the deal, it might be Fant a first and a third or something like that. Or at least Fant in a first. So yeah, I do think you're crazy. I would love that deal if the Jets could pull it off. And I guess Matt Rule has shown that he isn't the best judge of what to give up in a trade based on what the Panthers gave up for Sam Darnold. So maybe it's possible that he's willing to do that deal. But I highly doubt that would be enough to get it done. Yeah, um, I guess kind of th- th- what you said at the end there kind of is the only thing that has me thinking it'd be possible. I mean, Matt Rule, I don't think has done anything to prove that uh, anyone should have any faith in him for making a good trade. Um, <laughs> I think that he's kind of dug himself a pretty deep hole this season. And that's too bad because I really liked him coming into the league. And I'm definitely willing to admit that I was a, a Matt Rule supporter prior to this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, like, I don't know. You could definitely fleece the Panthers on a trade. Maybe not in that way. Maybe not Fant in a mid-round pick. Um, But I I do think that it's definitely possible that you could get DJ Moore for less than what he's worth, given who's in charge over there. Um, So maybe not totally crazy. um, But like, I mean, if if you were pitching it, trading to trying to make that trade with somebody else, then I would say, yes, you're, you're a little crazy. But the Panthers are probably the ideal target if if you're trying to to pull a fast one on them. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from John McAnally. He says, if there were a wide receiver worthy of a top 10 pick, wouldn't all the best draft analysts agree on who that was? It seems there are five to six wide receiver prospects all rated fairly closely together. This makes me think one may slip to the second round or at the very least to the back of the first round. The last few years, there were one to two guys who stood head and shoulders above the rest. I don't see that this year, which makes me worry about investing that kind of draft capital in one. Obviously, scheme fit plays a role, too. I've been making this point over and over again, so thank you, John. I think there's a significant number of quality wide receivers in this draft, but there isn't one that stands out to me above the rest the way that a Jamar Chase would or the way that Mike Evans did several years ago. They all are pretty well grouped together as far as I can tell. My personal favorite is Traylon Burks, but how much better is he than Jamison Williams? I know Williams had the injury, but still, how much better is he than Drake London? How much better is he than Jahan Dotson? How much better is he than David Bell? How much better is he than Garrett Wilson 
or Michael Olave. I think they're all pretty much in that same 15 to 45 range. So rather than pulling the trigger on one of them at number 10, I would be looking to either trade back into the first round if there's one that falls that I really like, or just sit at 35 and take one there if you really want a wide receiver. Now, personally, I wouldn't be opposed to even waiting till the third round to get one. I think you might be able to get Wandale Robinson, who I really like, very fast guy, or Justin Ross out of Clemson. I know he had that injury couple of years ago he came back last year wasn't quite as good but I think that with the benefit of more time to recover he could end up being a real bargain for you if you can get him in the third round or maybe even the fourth so to answer your question I think you're exactly correct that's a big part of the reason why I wouldn't want a wide receiver at number 10 we've got the combine and all the pre-draft process to go so maybe one of these guys jumps ahead of the pack but as of right now I think you're 100% correct yeah, I, I I would have to agree. Um, I do think like I did say like that if they trade back from four, I'm hoping to get a receiver with one of the later first round picks, and I, I still do feel that way. But that being said, like I don't want to take one at ten. I feel I don't think that that's the right spot. Um, and I think that if the Jets do decide to go the route of wide receiver in the first round of the draft, it would be based on what they think would be a scheme fit. I think that just makes the most sense for them at this point because, um, I mean, I love watching Jahan Dawson play. He was one of my favorite receivers to watch this year. I think he's great. Do I think he belongs on the Jets? I don't really know. I mean, I think he's going to be a great playmaker in the NFL, but Scott, we've talked about this. I think Burks is like a great fit for the Jets. So it's, it's going to come down to, at least I think, a scheme fit in that position um, because there's a lot of guys around the same the same level of skill. Next question comes in from Peter J. Dillard. He says, is it safe to say that if the Jets don't come out of the offseason with a legitimate pass rusher to complement Lawson, a number one cornerback and at least one other offensive lineman comparable to AVT and Becton, that Joe Douglas came up short? Also, as much as we all seem to like Joe Douglas, is it fair to say that that 2020 draft class was really bad? So let's start with what Joe Douglas needs to do this offseason. I don't know that I would say came up short. It's going to be hard to add a big-time pass rusher, a number one corner, and a top-tier offensive lineman in the same offseason, but that should be the goal. Those, to me, are three of the biggest problems that the Jets have right now. I would add tight end in there as well. I don't rank wide receiver as high as those because they've got Elijah Moore and Corey Davis, which I think is a good starting point. But they should absolutely be looking to do this via free agency and the draft. We've talked about a variety of different ways that they could fill the number one cornerback spot, the edge rusher spot, and an offensive lineman spot with premium talent. I think you could look to do that in the first two rounds of the draft. And then obviously there could be some options for trades. We mentioned Daniil Hunter. So that's something that the Jets should certainly explore. And Marshawn Lattimore, because of the cap situation with the Saints, that's something the Jets should look into as well. As far as the 2020 draft class, it's not looking great. Becton is a question mark right now. I still like the pick. And I think Becton is going to be really good. We'll see if he stays healthy. That's obviously a big question mark. But we saw what he did his rookie year when he was playing. If he comes back in full health, I think he has a chance to be an excellent tackle. Of course, Tristan Wirfs hangs over this because the Jets had the opportunity to take him. They passed. He goes to Tampa and becomes an all-pro tackle in his second season in the league. So that makes the Becton pick a lot more questionable 
Beyond that, man, it is not looking great. Denzel Mims was really bad this year, and you have to wonder if he's even going to be on the roster in 2022. LaMichael Pirine and Jabari Zuniga have done next to nothing. Captain Morgan was released. He was a backup that made no sense in the first place. And all three of those guys were picked ahead of Gabe Davis, who we watched score four touchdowns in a playoff game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Certainly the Jets could have used a player like that. Instead, they took all those guys who have done next to nothing. I wouldn't be shocked if none of those guys are on the roster at the beginning of the 2022 season. Bryce Hall could be the shining light here. He's been a solid, if unremarkable, starter at corner, which in the fifth round is phenomenal value. So he could be the guy that saves his draft class from being a Mike McCagnin-level draft class, which is as bad as it gets. If Mekhi Becton doesn't stay healthy and he bombs out, then this becomes one of the all-time bad draft classes. So Thankfully, it looks like Joe Douglas improved his drafting in 2021. A lot of people have been blaming the 2020 draft on Adam Gase. Time will tell, because if Joe Douglas has another draft like that, then you'll know that it was more Joe Douglas than Adam Gase. If he has what appears to be another good draft in 2022, then maybe you look back at it and say, well, he was trying to draft players that Gase and his staff really wanted, so it's not totally his fault. So we'll see what happens there, but as of now, that 2020 draft class is not looking very good. Yeah, um, you know, obviously the 2020 draft class is looking like a, a bit of a disaster right now. And I, I, my first thought when that got brought up was Gabriel Davis after after this playoff performance this last week. I believe it was the Jet Press that tweeted like James Morgan picked like four spots ahead of Gabriel Davis, and that, that one hurt to look at this weekend. Um, and just like it just goes to show, like there there are so many like good guys in the later rounds. And why you should be taking a James Morgan at that spot doesn't make any sense. I didn't think it made sense at the time, and it never panned out to make any sense. Um, and then as for Mims, I mean, I tweeted this a couple weeks ago. The way that that Baylor team with Matt Rule and Mims fooled so much of the NFL, like people were shocked to see Mims falling in that draft. At the time, I mean, I thought it was a steal to get Mims at that pick 59. I think everyone did. Like it, se- it seemed like a great move and people were excited about it. Um, and then, you know, there was that pe- everyone wanted to hire Matt Rule for a period there. And watching how that Baylor team really, really tricked a large portion of the NFL is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I always, the, when it comes down to it, like predicting if a guy is going to have injury problems like Becton, I, I know that on the fields, like when that doesn't pan out, it feels like a miss. But to me, I don't, I don't like to count those, those injury guys as a miss just simply because, I mean, you don't know what they were going to be. Like the, their raw talent and ability, if you saw that on, on video and, and decided, okay, this is our guy and they looked great leading up to, to the draft, like, how are you supposed to know that, that they're going to flame out on injury? Like, I just, I, I hate, like, using that as a strike against GMs because it's like, that's not something you can predict. That's not, I mean, unless there's, like, a deep, extensive history of injury, you overlook it. Like, a guy who didn't have major injuries coming out of school that has them in the NFL, I, I just don't like to count that as a strike against the GM because, again, it's not predictable. Like, that's not something you can be like, you know, I, I have this feeling that this one's going to get injured a lot and this one's not. Like, that that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't I don't think that that's really a fair criticism of a GM. 
Uh, that being said, obviously the rest of the draft not looking so great. Bryce Hall is good for for the value that they got him at. I think that he'll be on the team for a while, and that's great. Like he'll he'll be like you said the the redeeming quality of that draft. That being said, kind of going back to the earlier part of the question, um, I do think that if the Jets don't add some kind of top corner, whether it be through free agency or the draft, then that is falling short. I mean, I don't think that they necessarily need to fill each big hole on the team with a premium position this offseason because I still do think the Jets are at a point where they need the best available player because there's still a lot of holes on this roster. But I do think that not upgrading quarter it would be would be falling short because um, to me you had the young guys out there I know there was some debate on Twitter about Eccles and whether or not he belongs um, on the team in general or if that pick was a miss I personally advocated for the the fact that I think Eccles is meant to be a depth guy that got some experience this year and if, if that's the case, and that's what I think that they're going after, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I thought that pick was for, adding depth pieces on the defense later on in the draft that have athleticism and speed. And you know you can put out there without being like scared if someone goes down and gets hurt and you need to fill in that spot. That being said, I don't think that Eccles is like the answer as a long-term starter at corner. I think that he should be a depth guy. And coming away with no one to slide into that number one spot, um, I think would be definitely falling short and doing a disservice to the defense because the defense did struggle this year. And if you're not going to come away with that perfect starting defense in this offseason, which I don't think that they will, not upgrading corner is just really not fair. It's, it's not fair to expect these guys that are out there currently to be matching up with number ones on a consistent basis. Because I just don't think that those are the guys. Hope, I mean, if they grow and get better and become those guys, then that's awesome. But I do think they absolutely need more support at corner. I've been waiting for the opportunity to draft a, a, a true number one corner. And that's what I want. Like, I want them to come away with that position looking upgraded and more filled. Um, I think that, like, you have to acquire some kind of pass rusher, someone else just to add on just for even just for depth purposes i'd love to see them add a starter at a pass rush i mean i hope lawson comes back looking good too but um i i just i think that corner missing on that is definitely without a doubt falling short that's gonna wrap up part two of the mailbag follow kayla on twitter at kp underscore on underscore tv Make sure you check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great videos up there taking a look at Dalton Schultz, who could be a Jets target, free agency at tight end. Speaking of tight end, he's got a great video up there of Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado State, and what he thinks McBride could do for the Jets offense if the Jets were to draft him. He's got a video up reviewing Zach Wilson's most recent performance against the Buffalo Bills and breaking down how he went from being a turnover-prone quarterback to a turnover-free quarterback. That's all on our YouTube channel right now, so check out those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, mugs, hoodies, caps. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. 
doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.